What are the benefits of fasting? Does fasting help with fat loss? How long should you fast for? And will caffeine break your fast? These are all great questions and more that I answer in today's podcast episode. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Health Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Foster. And once again today, I'm going to be giving you a little insight into the book that I have coming out soon, all about how to improve your health and live younger for longer. And today, what I want to share with you is some information on fasting. So many people are fasting um, and they're using this for multiple health benefits, including for some people, it's about trying to lose weight. For other people, it's about maintaining the body composition that they have. Um, Fasting can be a good way to do that. For others, it's actually about really improving that mental focus and clarity in the morning. And then there are other people, again, who are using it for what's known as autophagy, Um, which I'll come on to in a moment. And some people actually are using it for all of those things. But it's not a very well understood area. Um, Not many people really understand how long you should fast or even know in detail what breaks a fast. And so I wanted to cover those questions in today's podcast episode as those are some of the questions that I get from my clients and from my followers. So basically, the first place to start is that fasting is about limiting the food intake for certain periods of either a day or more than one day. Now, you've probably seen lots of press coverage um, over the last few years about fasting, and some people are doing water-only fast for days on end, while other people are doing what's known as intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. And just like trying to work out what you should eat, how to fast can be quite confusing. And the truth is that there aren't that many studies, particularly in relation to women, um, on what period of fasting is best. But the first thing to think about when you're considering fasting and how long you're going to fast is, first of all, the reason why you want to fast. So that's where I want to start is let's have a look at the benefits of fasting. Now, as I've already mentioned, fasting can be used for, for a great number of different benefits, ranging from caloric restriction autophagy, um, entering a state of ketosis, uh, improving mental concentration and focus, and also for enhancing insulin sensitivity. And many people do use this as a strategy for staying lean and keeping body fat low. And it can be a really useful strategy for doing just that without actually engaging in any caloric restriction. It's also very good for autophagy. Um, If you don't know what autophagy is, it's essentially the body's way of clearing out damaged cells in order to regenerate newer and healthier, healthier cells. So auto means self and phagy means eat. So the literal meaning of autophagy is self eating. And it's a really good strategy for longevity. And intermittent fasting, especially fast between 16 and 24 hours, can significantly help to reduce insulin levels and lower inflammation and also enhance autophagy. And this style of fasting has been shown to have benefits for the brain by a process known as neuronal autophagy, which is the destruction of aging neurons to make room for new, healthier ones. 
and abnormal or restrictive autophagic activity has been linked to a number of neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. And during a period of fasting, the lowered levels of insulin allows the brain to engage in neuronal autophagy. And because intermittent fasting helps to lower inflammation, it also helps to reduce neuroinflammation. Now, there is a distinction between fasting and caloric restriction. So caloric restriction involves intentionally reducing your daily or weekly calorie intake. In the case of fasting, it simply involves not eating for a set period of time and then consuming your food within a limited period known as a compressed eating window. And the intention is not necessarily to restrict calories, but simply to consume them within a shorter period of time. Although one of the effects that has been observed in studies is that 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 restricted eating window does often naturally lead to a calorie reduction of somewhere of around 20 to 30% reduction in overall calorie intake, but it, it doesn't have to. And even without the reduction in the intake of calories, it can actually be a really, really useful strategy for staying lean and muscular. Now, some of the more popular forms of intermittent fasting include time-restricted eating, which I've already mentioned. So what is time-restricted eating? Time-restricted eating is essentially where you consume all of your food within a set window of time. And generally, that will be somewhere within a 3 to 12-hour window each day. You can also do weekly long fasts where you fast for 24 hours once or twice a week. And you can do something known as alternate day fasting, where you you, um, cycle between fasting for 24 hours and then eating normally for 24 hours on a daily rotational basis. And two of the most popular styles of fasting that you've probably heard about are the 12-12 and the 16-8 strategies. And the 12-12 is the place that I like everyone to start with because it's the easiest one to do. And you simply just avoid eating for 12 hours after your last meal of the day. So if you're having your dinner at 7 p.m., then you simply wait until 7 a.m. before eating again. And this um, this type of fasting is still shown to give lots and lots of benefits, including um, the auto- some of the autophagy benefits. Now, cellular autophagy tends to increase once you go for about 16 hours. And so for men, actually, this can be a really good strategy. But for women or for very lean individuals, sometimes... Uh, a fasting window of 16 hours or more can actually cause some metabolic issues and hormonal imbalances. So with any kind of fasting strategy, it needs to be down to the individual. You need to experiment with it and you need to look at your own personal circumstances. And fasting is putting a strain on the body. So it is a form of stress, but it's a form of stress that you've probably heard me talk about, not just myself before, but also with some of my podcast guests, this concept of hormesis, which is a stress that actually helps you to become stronger or more resilient. And fasting falls within that category. But like with any type of stress that we're looking at, we need to be looking at what is the overall burden of stress that that individual has at any one time. So for example, I'm going to come on to um, a little bit more about women in a moment. But with myself, for example, 
I'm running my business. I've got three young children. I'm often out walking with my dogs. Plus I exercise on top. My calorie demands are quite high. My stress levels, baseline stress levels are likely to be higher with everything that I've got going on. Then doing extended periods of fast isn't something that I find gives me energy. Actually, that just tends to add to um, stress levels or anxiety. And that's not uncommon. So you need to look at your lifestyle. That's really, really important as well. But one of the great benefits of doing this intermittent fasting is the effects that it has on body composition, even without actually necessarily restricting calories. And what the studies in mice have shown is that intermittent fasting has been shown to actually prevent and reverse obesity and metabolic issues regardless of what the mice ate. That's really important, literally regardless of what they ate. And there was a 38-week study that was done by researchers at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies. And the scientists fed groups of adult mice one of the following four diets. They were either fed regular mouse kibble, a high-fat diet, a high-fructose diet, or a high-fat and high-fructose diet. And each group of mice were given roughly the same number of calories, or they were eating around the same number of calories. But in each group of those mice, some of them could eat whenever they wanted, while other mice were restricted to certain feeding periods. And those feeding periods were either 9 hours, 12 hours, or 15 hours. So what's happening there is they're all having the same calorie requirements, but their eating window is different, and also what they're, the type of food that they're eating is different. And so you might expect certain outcomes based on the type of food that they were eating. So for example, the high fat and high fructose, you might expect these mice to put on more weight. And what was really interesting was that at the end of the study, it was the mice that were unrestricted in terms of their eating that were obese, regardless of which diet they've been put on. Now, each of the mice that were restricted to either nine or 12 hours of feeding daily were actually lean and healthy. Um, even those mice that had been allowed to cheat on weekends. And so this is really interesting because what this study shows is that actually one of the most effective tools in staying lean is actually eating all of your day's meals within that compressed eating window. And preferably what the study showed is that that would be somewhere in the range of nine to 12 hours a day. Now, although this study is based on mice, it shows the powerful effect that intermittent fasting can have. And recent research shows that intermittent fasting is effective in people in both enhancing insulin sensitivity and also in promoting fat loss. And the other benefit that you get is by having that period of fasting also gives the gut time to heal and renew itself. And this is really important, especially overnight. Um, you've probably heard me talk about in relation to sleep that human growth hormone, particularly we get older, is mostly released at night. And that's used in part to repair the intestinal lining. So making sure you're having that um, fasting period is going to be really helpful as well in terms of promoting good gut health. So that's definitely something you can try. And I think it's the easiest place for anyone who hasn't really been using fasting as a health promoting measure is to start with that 12 hour period. So just make sure that you are, when you finish eating, you stop. And this is really important. At that point, you can't continue on having, you know, a sneaky glass of wine or something like that in the evening because that's actually then you're not fasting. So the things that you can have is you can have water or you can have herbal tea. That's not going to be breaking the fast, but you need to stop all other eating and drinking. 
Now, as I've already, um, until basically the next morning, and that will be 12 hours. So if you finish eating at 7 p.m., then you're not going to eat again until 7 a.m. And if you really want to boost the benefits of it, then actually doing something in that morning fasted period that involves some gentle exercise is really good as well because what you'll do is you'll increase the fat burning effects of that. So that's a really good strategy as well is to maybe go out for a morning sunshine walk at the moment. It's, um, you know, we've got in certainly in the UK here, we've got that long, lovely evenings and the sun rises very early. So you can go out and get into nature, get some fresh air. It doesn't have to be a long walk necessarily, but kind of a 20 to 25 minute breast walk will just help to really enhance some of those fat burning effects. And what you can do as well is actually even to have a black coffee before you go, which will actually boost that fatty acid oxidation. So if we're really strict on fasting, then we would say anything other than water is going to break the fast. But in reality, um, a black coffee isn't really going to put a, a bump in it. So that's something that you can do. And if you actually come back, this is something I really like to do is after you've done that exercise, then you can have a cold shower or even start the shower off at a nice warm temperature and then just finish with a cold rinse of around um, 30 seconds even, that will actually help to promote what's known as um, brown adipose tissue or brown fat, which is much more metabolically active and that we use for energy as opposed to the kind of weight that we see around our waist, which is white adipose um tissue. So that's something that you can definitely do is you can have the 12 hour overnight fast and then you can wake up and do some gentle exercise. It could be even going on an indoor bike, for example, if you wanted to do that or go on a rebounder, um, have a black coffee before you do it and then finish it up with um, a cold, either a cold shower or a hot and cold contrast shower. And that can actually really boost these fat burning effects as well. But going back to fasting, there aren't that many studies that have been done on women. But what they do seem to suggest is that for cycling women, i.e. what I mean by that is women that are still having periods, so premenopausal women, then long intermittent fasting periods may not be um, a best uh, a best practice, the best idea. So there was a 2005 study in obesity research that concluded that intermittent fasting improves insulin sensitivity in men, but worsens it in women. And in 2018, researchers found that when a group of overweight women fasted for two days, it caused moderate levels of stress. And Elisa Vitti, who's done a lot of research into this area and is author of um, a great book called In the Flow, her conclusion is actually that really the only fasting schedule that she considers safe and effective for women is to avoid food for a 12-hour period daily from 7 p.m., for example, to 7 a.m., which is the example I gave you. And that's definitely something that I do myself. I sometimes go a bit longer, but bear in mind that you do need to look at the overall stress burden that you have. Um, I think we do need more research in this area to see how intermittent fasting affects women's biochemistry and phases. Um, but it does seem that in premenopausal women, some of the benefits may be, of fasting may be outweighed by some of the other issues that can occur depending on that particular woman's sensitivity to things like hormone irregularities. But certainly in very active or very lean women, if you're doing long periods of fasting, this can cause problems. It's maybe also not the best idea if you're somebody that's looking to fall pregnant, that can cause problems. And if you are very lean as well, or you're 
really exercising intensively and for long periods, um, it can actually lead to a loss of menstruation. So it's something to be aware of. And, and as I've already mentioned, if you are very active, so you're kind of doing a lot of activity, maybe you're competing even, or you're doing things like triathlons or marathons, or you're really, really lean. And by extremely lean, what we mean is a body fat percentage of around 18% or less. Um, or if you're someone who doesn't sleep well, you have low reproductive hormone levels, or if you're struggling with thyroid problems, um, or you're planning pregnancy, as I've already mentioned, then it may be better that you just stick within that 12-hour window. Now, what you might want to do is sometimes, both for men and women, is do the occasional longer fast, and that can help to improve things like gut health, detoxification, um, it can give some immune system support. Um, or you may be someone that does it for spiritual um, reasons as well. And an example here would be that you do a three to five day calorie restricted fast. And you might do that once a quarter or um, you might just do that sort of once a year. But generally speaking, what we want to be doing is practicing shorter um, fasts and making sure that we are getting that 12 hour on a daily basis. I always believe that consistency is so much more important than doing something extreme. It's about, you know, with anything in life, it's about showing up every day and doing it. And so if you can create that habit of a 12-hour fast daily, that's going to really help you to get some of those autophagy benefits and also some of the body composition benefits and actually just let your body rest and repair overnight. If you wanted to try and do longer fasts, one of the best ways to do it is actually to build up slowly. Um, and Dr. Sachin Panda talks about this in his book. It's a really good book actually called The Circadian Code. And he talks about it in there and actually advises that you build up slowly towards a more compressed eating window. And that's going to take away some of the stress that that can be causing. So what you would do is you would start with a 12-hour overnight fast for a couple of weeks and then just decrease that eating window by one hour a week. And in his view, the optimum eating window is somewhere between eight and 11 hours. So he says the science at 12 hours is impressive, but there are greater advantages to moving as few as eight hours. So this is definitely something that for men in particular can work really, really well. And that's doing that concept of a 16-8 fast. So you eat for eight hours a day and then you fast for 16 overnight. And I have lots of clients actually who really find this beneficial. They find that their concentration in the morning is vastly improved and they can get some really, really productive work done. So lots of my clients don't eat until midday regularly and they find that that really helps them. But what Dr. Sachin's Pan Sachin Panda's research shows is that the health benefits that you get from eating within a 12-hour window double at 11 hours. And then they, he says they double again for every additional hour compressed until you get to about eight hours. So compressing the, the eating window to eight hours can be a great thing. But for many people, that isn't sustainable. And as I've already mentioned, you've really got to look at the other demands that are on you and also how physically active you are. So even by lowering it from by an extra hour from 12 hours to 11 hours, he says provides double the health benefits. And he's got lots of research that you can go and look at in that book. There's lots of science reports that he links to that back that up. So that's definitely something is to start with 12 hours and then maybe reduce it down to 11 hours. And on less dem physically demanding days, you might want to reduce it a bit more. And even children as young as five years old can benefit 
from that 12-hour fast. In fact, actually, when my children were very young, they were often having a little bit more than that because they were eating their evening meal and then they would go to bed by seven o'clock and they wouldn't wake up until seven o'clock the next morning and they would have had their tea somewhere around five or 5.30 and had a bath and gone to bed. So, And it's funny how we lose track of that as an adult, actually, because as children, we were naturally fasting for that period. And then as adults, we tend to push dinner a little bit later sometimes, either because we're working later or because we um, have done a workout maybe later on and then we're up early and we might actually break that fast a bit earlier than we would have otherwise. So it's worth thinking about and definitely protecting that 12 hours. The other thing, as I already mentioned, is the consistency here is really, really key. So make sure you're sticking with it. And Dr. Sachin Panda actually talks about this, is that the benefits really start to kick in at around six weeks. And the type of benefits that you start to see at this point, once you get to that six-week mark, are um, things like better sleep. You see improvements in energy, and we actually see lower levels of systemic inflammation. And as you know from other episodes, and, and you've probably heard me talking about it, that we need to manage our blood sugar levels and keep inflammation low for good health and effectively to live younger for longer. So those are the types of benefits that you start to see around the six-week mark. So really important that you're consistent with it and try as far as you possibly can to do it at weekends as well. Now, I realize that's not always possible. So if you're entertaining, you might find it difficult to finish eating at somewhere like seven o'clock. But what I would suggest is, is that if you are eating later into the evening, then you simply either skip breakfast on the weekend or you just move it slightly later, maybe have a brunch so that you're always getting that 12 hour overnight fast. And fasting and calorie restriction have been shown that if you do that for short periods of time, have actually been shown to increase your metabolic rate by nearly 4% and also increase growth hormone and insulin sensitivity. But one thing to be aware of with calorie restriction is that if you're in um, a fasted state or restricting calories significantly over a period of time for longer than four weeks, then what that can do is actually to down-regulate your metabolic rate if you don't have a period of then refeeding. And that's because when you start to lose lots of weight, so initially you'll get some weight loss or some fat loss, which is great, um, but when you start to then lose lots of weight, the body begins to conserve its energy stores. And so it then reduces the number of calories you burn by downregulating cellular metabolism and downregulating thyroid activity. So the way that you would get around that is that you would make sure you're doing the um, occasional refeed. So, for example, um, at weekends, you might have or for more active people, you might have some carbohydrates at night. And that's one of the reasons that if you're following a more ketogenic based diet, then it can also be helpful to have some carbohydrates in the evening as well, just to help to boost the metabolism effects. The other thing to mention is that if you are fasting, make sure you're getting decent amount of protein. Um, protein intake is really important and that actually helps to keep your metabolism elevated. So if you're fasting for long um, periods, I wouldn't recommend going on a very low protein um, plant-based diet unless you're um, using it to manage some other sort of illness in particular which have been shown certain ones for benefits so just make sure that you're getting enough protein so that you're keeping that the metabolism um, stoked and, and, and working well and also that will help to minimize any muscle mass loss as well 
And there's some compounds that you can also take that can help to enhance things like cellular autophagy and also help you in terms of blood sugar management. And these include things like bitter melon extract, for example. And also, if you're looking to boost autophagy and things like detoxification as well, then including things like regular sauna sessions can help. And as I already mentioned in the beginning of this episode, um, cold thermogenesis in the form of cold showering or a full-on cold soak in a lake or a river or even just your (laughs) paddling pool when you've first put it out for the kids is always going to be pretty cold. Now, one of the questions I get asked as well is, should you exercise in a fasted state? And Many people, like myself, enjoy an early morning workout. It's a great way to get a sweat on and stimulate endorphins, and it can really help to enhance your focus and productivity. And you may have heard that exercising in a fasted state is a better way to burn fat. And that can be true, but provided that you're not overtaxing your body's delicate hormonal balance. So it all comes down again to making sure that you're not overstressing the system. So both fasting and something like high-intensity exercise increase things like cortisol levels. So if you start combining those two things together, that can actually cause significant amounts of stress on the body. And what can happen is if cortisol is high for a lot of the time, that can actually inhibit your fat loss goals. So it's not necessarily the best thing to do to kind of jump into a HIIT workout in a fasted state. And cortisol levels are higher in the morning anyway, which is why I was suggesting earlier as part of that morning routine that you try and stick to something like something more parasympathetic. So a walk or bike ride or something like yoga in the morning is probably going to be better. And actually, in terms of women, the studies seem to be conflicting anyway. So there's, there are studies that can show things either way. Sometimes the fat burning effects are improved by fat um, fasted exercise. But then there was another study where women actually had better muscle adaptations to exercise in a fed state. Now, for people that are looking to lose weight, as I've already mentioned, fasting can be really helpful, even without actually changing the amount of calories that you're consuming just by restricting that eating window can actually help you to lose weight. But what many people also do is they may then restrict calories or they might restrict certain macronutrients. So for example, what they might do is go on a very low carb diet or even a ketogenic diet. And it's worth just being aware that if you combine too many of these things at the same time, then again, you're probably going to be increasing cortisol and that can downregulate sex hormones. It can decrease thyroid hormones and actually cause significant cortisol, the stress hormone cortisol dysregulation. So For example, if you combine all three of those where you go on a ketogenic calorie restricted diet with a really small compressed eating window of eight hours or less, that might actually just be too much for your body. So really important to look at what you're doing, what you're combining together and what the overall stress load is on your um, on your body and your mind as well. That's also really important as well. Like how much mental stress are you being exposed to? How much have you got going on at any one time? Is it a particularly busy period for you? And are you having time to engage in some of the more parasympathetic activities to offset whatever sort of stress engaging activity you're doing? So have you got time? Are you spending time doing meditation 
or breath work. That's really, really important to make sure that it's not just all stress, 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 you know, in terms of ketogenic diet, hip workouts, um, compressed, you know, significantly compressed eating windows, stressful job, running around after children. That might actually just be too much. So we need to make sure it's the yin and the yang that we're always offsetting what we're doing with some calming parasympathetic based activities. Um, I've got a great podcast coming up actually with Patrick McEwen, who wrote the book, The Oxygen Advantage, um, all about breathing techniques. Um, so look out for that. That one's coming up soon. But we just need to be aware that we are engaging in more parasympathetic activities. There is another type of diet that you can do where you're not actually fasting without food. So if you wanted to try a longer fast, but you're somebody that you think you would find it really difficult to do something like a water only um, diet, then actually you could try something like the fasting mimicking diet. And that was developed by Dr. Walter Longo. Um, it's in his great book, actually, called The Longevity Diet. And the fasting mimicking diet allows you to fast while consuming a minimum a minimal number of calories, but still giving you the benefits of fasting while supplying your body with nutrients. And his approach in terms of the fasting mimicking diet is to consume a minimal number of calories for five consecutive days. This, this form of fasting still places the body under a degree of stress. So it's still something to be aware for for certain categories. So I wouldn't use it with children, for example, pregnant women, the elderly or athletes or those with a very low body fat percentage but for other people it can work quite well and and the way that it works is it if essentially is low enough in calories to trick your body into believing that it's fasting and provide most of the benefits but still giving you the nutrients that your body needs and limiting the hunger and he actually has a specific kit called prolon where you can um, buy that and it has powdered prepackaged meals it actually consists of vegan foods you don't necessarily have to use the prepackaged meals to engage in that type of fast. Um, you know, it's arguably more nutritious to actually prepare those foods yourself and use natural whole food sources with plants and superfoods and things like blue spirulina, some bone broth, berries and nuts with some essential amino acids to make sure that you're getting enough protein. Um, and maybe some ketone esters to help raise the ketone levels and improve fat burning and also reduce hunger. If you know what you're doing, you could do it that way or you can try his um, kit. There's also a, we um, a website actually that's designed, it's not approved by Dr. Longo, but it is designed to be compliant with his protocol. And that one is www.fmdrecipes.org. So you can also check that one out. Another question that I get, and I've touched on this earlier, is can I drink coffee when fasting or tea and coffee? And that's a really common um, common question. Now, strictly speaking, if you're going to be very, very strict, then um, anything other than water counts as breaking the fast. But in reality, black coffee and tea doesn't really interfere with the benefits that you're getting. And actually, if you're using the fasting in part to help you to stay lean or even to assist in weight loss, then actually adding in caffeine can be helpful in burning fat and improving that fatty acid mobilization and burning body fat. So that can actually be something that you can helpfully add in. And as I mentioned earlier, you can do that even as part of your morning routine after your overnight 12 hour fast. What you might want to do if you're fasting for longer periods is to add in some amino acids and that can help maintain your muscle levels. 
So for example, if you were then during that fasting period, you were going to do some sort of workout, then having some essential amino acids can help or having some bone broth or something like some exogenous ketones. The other thing to bear in mind is the way in which you come out of a fast. And this is something to be aware of is that when you're coming out of an extended fast, even something um, like a 24 hour fast, there's actually where you haven't been eating, there's actually often a down regulation in digestive enzymes and certain hormones called incretin hormones. So what this means is that when you finish that fast, you might find that you're less equipped to digest complex meals. So what I would say to you is when you're coming out of that fasting period, it's better to take your time, eat more slowly, chew more, and definitely have that first meal in a calm state. Don't try and have it rushed. Hopefully you're not rushing your food anyway. And there's certain herbs and spices that can help with digestion. So things like ginger, fennel, turmeric, cumin and coriander have all been shown to help digest food. And you might even consider taking some digestive enzymes for those first few meals or some bitters that can help with digestion. And what I would say is in this situation, I would focus on foods that are cooked um, primarily and easy to digest. Fish, for example, is going to be much easier to digest than something like a huge ribeye steak or a meal that's heavily laden with fats or oils. And the other thing you can do as well when you're coming out of a fast is it, in making that transition, it might be better to actually stick to something that's sort of a lower carbohydrate diet. But you can also, just as you're coming out of it, but you can also use that strategy when you're going into a fast. So before you go into the fasting period, if you have been eating more carbohydrates, then actually start lowering those carbs before you go into the um, longer fasting period. And what that can do is it can actually accelerate or help to accelerate your ability to enter into greater cellular autophagy by going into ketosis before the fast. And also, importantly, what it can do as well is to help you feel more satiated and less hungry when you're fasting because you've already got used to a reduction in um, carbohydrates first. So I hope that gives you a really good summary of fasting. Um, there's quite a bit to take in there. But what I would say to you is just to summarize, the main things are don't jump in. If you're someone that hasn't been fasting, I probably wouldn't advise jumping in with some sort of extended three-day water fast. There are kits, as you know, that you can buy if you want to do an extended fast. But I would always start with these things slowly. Look at the overall stress levels that you currently have and whether it's the best time to be doing it. But generally speaking, pretty much everyone benefits from a 12-hour overnight fast. So that's the best place to start. And you're going to see some pretty good results just from doing that. So start off with 12 hours. See if you can do that consistently for six weeks. You'll get those sleep boosting and autophagy boosting effects. That'll be really important. Um, and then if you can reduce it, maybe just by that extra hour, then according to Dr. Sachin Panda, then we're going to see actually some incredible boosts in terms of doubling of the benefits, maybe by going from 12 hours to 11 hours. So you could try that. Um, be wary of going for long periods if you've got a lot on, but definitely 12 hours. And then think about doing the other benefits that I said, if body composition goals are a big one for you, then think about doing things like some more gentle um, style fasted exercise in the morning with some caffeine and then finish it up with either a cold shower or a hot and cold contrast shower. Um, I've got a free guide on fasting that you can download. You just need to go to my website. So go to www 
angelafosterperformance.com and you can download your free guide there. As always, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on next week's episode. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at angelafosterperformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.